My name's Emerson Malone. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. That sound should be familiar to anyone who's been in the duck store this past week since it's just been crawling with students who have just learned what textbooks they need for class. I'm Emerson Malone for the Emerald Podcast Network. Today we're talking with Will Campbell. He's a news reporter with the Emerald. Will's story on the textbook market will be on the shelves starting today, which is October 3rd. Will, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me on the show. So this is a convoluted story, I think. A lot of us at the Emerald can attest to researching very convoluted stories and trying to boil them down to 1,100 words. Right. So could you explain your angle to me in 10 words or less? Fewer? In ten, uh, 10 words or fewer. So I think my angle was really trying to show the perspective of all of these players in the textbook market industry. Um, it's really it's an economic story. And um, I was trying to show the student perspective, the perspective of the Duck Store, which is a, you know, it's, it's a nonprofit organization that is trying to bridge the gap between students and publishers. Um, there are publishers that are traditional publishers that are doing print, uh, print textbooks that are trying to get into the um, kind of the new interface for um, electronic textbooks, online textbooks, ebooks. And then there are these new entrepreneurial ventures that are trying to, you know, bring something new to the table when it comes to having a student's textbook, kind of a new textbook experience for students where they can uh, find all the information online and they can take quizzes and tests through this textbook software. Um, and it kind of it makes it a little bit easier for the teachers. Um, is that what the access code is? That is, yeah, that's the access code. And um, there are different shades of access codes, but the newest idea for the access code textbooks are having quizzes and tests and activities for students to do along with the text inside one interface. And it's generally a lot cheaper than buying a textbook, right? Necessar- uh, not necessarily, because it's cheaper than buying a new textbook and keeping the textbook. However, if a student was trying to save the most amount of money as possible, if they wanted to spend the least amount of money, they would buy a used textbook or rent a used textbook and then return that or sell it back. Um, but having the online textbook being integrated with, with quizzes and activities, they can't return any of a the personalized code. They can't return a personalized code. It's a, you know, you buy the code. It's a little bit cheaper than a new textbook. In some cases, sometimes it's a, it's a good amount cheaper. Um, but they are basically required to buy this textbook. Right. Because it's an online textbook. And if they didn't buy the textbook, they wouldn't be able to participate in activities or quizzes. And essentially, they wouldn't be able to participate in class. Um, let's talk about the, the first few paragraphs in the story. You set up a scene where in the, the duck store's bookstore level... Students are waiting in line, and then one lucky person gets a, is it $200 prize gift card? Yeah, yeah. From the Duckstore management. Right. Um, tell me about how, how did you, I've never heard of this gift card prize, but how did you hear about it? So I sat down with um, the marketing director and some other employees from the Duckstore, 
and they have this thing called textbook scholarships. And this is kind of a thing they've been doing for, they've been doing it for a while. And their board of directors, which includes students and other, um, other people from the industry, and it's a nonprofit. And so their board of directors decided to give these textbook scholarships out to people. Um, and they include $200, sometimes 250 gift cards to students in order to kind of supplement the cost and kind of shine a brighter light on these rising textbook prices and making students feel better about it. Right. So did you just wait in the bookstore near the checkout line until somebody got the prize or did they tell you they were about to hand it out to somebody? No. So they invited me to come along and, and be with the person who, ha- who hands the prizes out. And it happens to be the CFO and also the controller, Jeremy Gates. Um, and he's, he's really excited to do this. It's pretty excited. It's, it's fun to watch him hand these gift cards out. And he, he has some interesting stories to tell about it too. It seems like a lot of people who if someone walks up to them in the duck store and says, hey, here's a gift card, a lot of them are pretty skeptical that it's legitimate. Yeah, and that was the one that I was able to witness is a, a skeptical reception of the the gift card. Um, but he has some interesting things that have happened when he tries to hand these gift cards out. Um, some Sometimes the students will turn it down because they come from a wealthy family and they would rather have another student take it. Uh, sometimes he will give it to maybe an international student whose English is the, their second language, and they won't understand, and so they'll they'll turn it down. Um, sometimes people will be skeptical and take it, which is what I was able to see. Um, and then also sometimes people will have a really emotional response, is what he was telling me. Um, he told me the story of of uh, a moment when he handed a student a. a uh, prize when they were checking out for the textbook, uh, for the textbooks. And basically what he said is they, they broke down crying because they were trying to decide whether to buy textbooks or to buy a meal. And it, that was just, that happened to be one of those cases when, you know, a student that's really trying to struggle with finances, uh, really just got a, a break and, so the duck store hands out 25 prizes to students worth $200 every term to students who are buying textbooks. Oh, it's been, been in place for more than 10 years? It's, right. It's been in place for more than 10 years. Okay. So was everybody in line behind that person bummed out? So what they do I is guess, I guess it, it they'll must pick a time checking out and the, they'll pick an the aisle in the bookstore. So and didn't see, but... It's in an aisle. It's not at the checkout. Sometimes it's at the checkout, but sometimes it's in the aisle. And I was able to witness um, a prize that was handed out in the aisle of the textbooks. And um, so I I met Jeremy at the duck store, and we kind of waited in an aisle um, that was chosen randomly by him. And so actually... Was it random? (laughs) he, He asked me to choose the aisle. He asked you to choose the aisle. Right. And so I chose the aisle, and then we went and stood by this aisle, and we waited there for a couple minutes, and a couple students started wandering in, and we're standing there kind of, you know, anticipating somebody to pick the first book up off the shelf. And 
that's his his strategy is once once a student picks up a textbook off the shelf, then he'll approach them and, and award them this two hundred dollar gift card. And so um, the student comes walking down the aisle. She's this blonde girl, you know, searching around for a textbook in the anatomy section, and she picks up a a book off the shelf. And so I follow Jeremy over, and he hands her this gift card, and and she seems very skeptical. And Jeremy says, you've just won $200 as a a textbook scholarship. Congratulations. And she says, okay. (laughs) Really? (laughs) And so... Yeah, and, and he goes on to explain how you know they do this twenty five times every term, and it's a way for the duck store, a nonprofit organization, to give back to students and and kind of ease the burden of of the textbook prices for some students. Have you personally had to buy a lot of textbooks this term, or? Yeah, I had to buy probably four or five textbooks this term. But the duck store is just one way to get textbooks. I mean, since. In the last 10 years since the internet has really came onto the scene, there are more options now than ever for being able to buy a textbook as a student. And so the duck store is having to keep compete with more and more, uh, you know, other ventures or markets in right. order to, to sell these textbooks. And there's like a pirate economy to textbooks as well, isn't there? Yeah, there's yeah, a whole there's... secondary market of used textbooks. And actually the duck store, uh, you know, they, they participate in that. They, Not they even were... just used, I'm saying like illegal pdfs that are just shared oh yeah that's right um i don't know if this story gets into that necessarily but it doesn't no it doesn't quite but that is that's one thing that i uh i wasn't able to 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 dig anything up with what were you going to say about the used books though so the duck store they have this rental program with used books and they'll 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 also buy and sell used books from students and so the duck store they work with multiple publishers. Um, they buy textbooks from, say, Pearson is one example of a, a big publisher. So Pearson's out of London, and they are one of the bigger textbook publishers. Um, so the Duck Store will buy new copies from Pearson, and also the Duck Store buys used copies from used book wholesalers. They really try to make it as affordable as possible for the students. The more the Duck Store tries to make textbooks affordable for students, the fewer copies they're buying new from the publishers and the publishers in turn are raising their prices and the the duck store has to raise the prices of their new textbooks as well right and so every time a new textbook every time a, a professor requires a new textbook then it sets off this chain reaction of new textbooks being published the used textbooks being irrelevant and they're they're useless now but, um, yeah, it's kind of a, it's an interesting chain reaction that happens. In the story, you mentioned that there is a relationship between how well, say, the athletic department is doing and the the ultimate price of textbooks on campus. Am I getting that right? That's right. Um, so out of 3,500 college bookstores, the Duck Store is only one of 20 that offers this everyday discount to students. And they offer 10%, an automatic 10% discount on new textbooks and up to 32% off of a used textbook. And the way they're able to do this is by selling sportswear, which has a huge profit margin, and they can subsidize the cost of textbooks with this, the profit that they get from the, from the 
sportswear. Um, however, since 2010, the amount of revenue the duck store has been able to receive has decreased a, a fair amount. They've had about a $13 million drop in revenue since 2010. And the reason for this is the popularity of the sports team, amongst other things. But in 2010, the University of Oregon Ducks made a run for the championship um, under Chip Kelly. And it drew in a lot of revenue for sportswear. Um, and since since then, the Ducks have been having less success. Right. And the duck store has taken in less revenue from sportswear because of that. Mahalo, Marcus. <laughs> What's the most expensive textbook at the duck store? So so the most expensive textbook was about two hundred thirty dollars and it was a it was a chemistry textbook. New. New. New of course. Of course. So two hundred thirty dollars. What was the most interesting thing you learned in reporting all this? I think the most interesting thing I learned is just how connected all of these different players are in the market. And one move by any of these players sets off a chain reaction that affects all of the other the other uh, people in the market or, or companies. Yeah, these new access code publishers, uh, Great River Learning is one of them. I think there are about six professors on, on the U of O campus that use these Great River Learning platforms for textbooks and things like that. There's a student research group organization called Student Public In Interest Research Groups, or PERGs. And this group is really, they're a national group. They're worried that these new access code-driven textbook publishers are monopolizing the, the industry. Right, that's um, what it sounds like. Yeah, and so it's a newer thing having these access codes being required for classes. There's no other way that you can get the text or participate in the activities without these publishers. And there's no used copies. There's no returning anything. So the more and more that these uh, access code textbooks are required, the more power one publishing company has. Right. Another source you had for this piece was an economics professor. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I talked to one ex economics professor. I, basically, he was upset with having students pay so much for textbooks. And his solution, from what he told me, was to type these notes himself and, and provide them to students. Um, and this is something that a lot of professors are doing, too. Right. I've had the same thing where I have a professor who's course requires very specific literature so he sort of tailor makes his own packet which is then sold at the duck store for same right bucks. right and so that's a that's a good way to cut costs and, and make textbooks more affordable for students i i've had professors that have found snippets of text and offered them for free just in pdf form right and so that's one way that you can virtually eliminate textbook costs from the students in one class. I don't know if you ran into this in your research, but in my experience, whenever I've taken a course with environmental studies, they almost never have me buy a book. It's almost all PDFs. Did you encounter any of that? So I took two environmental study classes at my former school, Portland Community College, and I had a lot of print for that class, really? which was interesting. So we had text and we also had um, a lot of Printouts that we had to print ourselves, but anyway, that's that's a little Some irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but print costs a lot. Yeah, is there anything we didn't touch on? The access code textbooks are are able to cut out 
bookstores like the Duck Store. And they allow publishers to work directly with professors to uh, develop a platform where professors can put their text and put their quizzes and activities. But the Duck Store is completely cut out of that. The transaction's entirely online. Right. Do you think looking ahead that maybe the trajectory of the textbook market is more monopolized online transactions? I don't think it'll entirely take over the market, but it'll, it will continue to disrupt it um, and in turn drive up prices for other uh, competitors, such as the Duck Store, second party used book wholesalers, and traditional publishers such as Pearson. So the barriers of entrance to the textbook market are becoming smaller and smaller. Will, thanks for coming in and talking to me today. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. From the Emerald Podcast Network, I'm Emerson Malone. That's Will Campbell over there. Thanks for listening. Thank you.